introduce you to Kath Johnson. Kath um, has been leading the work of Home for Good in the West Midlands. And uh, she's going to um, just give us a bit more of a different perspective on uh, fostering and adoption. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much for having me this morning. What a total joy to be with you here and what a fantastic group you are. There's such a lovely feel in this church. It's always great going around the West Midlands and getting to worship with other church families and just having a little window into their church family and what a beautiful church family you are. So thank you so much um, for having me. Um, You'll know that Adoption Sunday is being celebrated around the UK today. So you are one of the church families in the West Midlands and all around England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales who are celebrating and marking um, Adoption Sunday today. So we are in good company. Um, I'm a church leader in Worcester, so I've driven here from Worcester, not very far. We celebrated Adoption Sunday last week, and um, we're a similar church family to you guys. We have several foster carers and adopters, and um, we are great champions of it ourselves. Um, As Anna said, I lead the the work in the West Midlands here, and it's a great privilege to meet with adopters and foster carers and church leaders all around the region and just hear what God is up to in caring for vulnerable children through um, people like we've heard from this morning. So I wonder if you've ever imagined what it must be like to be God, hearing the cries of his people around the world. A desperate father prays for food for his children. Maybe a worried businesswoman prays for wisdom for a business deal that she's doing. A victim of human trafficking prays for freedom and release. A stressed out family prays for a car parking space. Ever been that person? Definitely, I can put my hands up for that. Perhaps a neglected child whispers a silent prayer that God will hear from them and bring rescue. And I've got no idea how God copes with all these anguished cries, all these prayers, um, all at once, because Honestly, my three children just in one go is often enough for me. Luckily, God is bigger than me. (laughs) But what I do know is that God hears the cries of his people, doesn't he? And he hears the cries of the vulnerable. He has special regard for the vulnerable. Now my clicker's gone off. Um, Oh, we're going the wrong way. Here we go. Can you just see that? So Psalm 10. Psalm 10 tells us that the Lord listens to the fatherless and the oppressed. It says, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. That's our God, isn't it? The prophet Isaiah tells a broken nation that the book of Isaiah is speaking to this broken nation of Israel. And he tells them his central message is that the way to re-find redemption and to rebuild this nation 
is by taking up the cause of the fatherless and the oppressed. And this idea of a broken nation, I think, will be close to many of our hearts and minds today. It's not far from us, is it? And God shows us the way to rebuild our nation. And Isaiah challenges God's people both then and now to take up the cause, this thing that we were talking about earlier, and the theme of Adoption Sunday today, to take up the cause to be people like him, like God, who have compassion and hear the cries of the vulnerable. And um, we've just seen the Adoption Sunday film for this year, and some of the stats in that film are a bit overwhelming, aren't they? I wonder if any of the stats particularly um, stuck with you or struck you. Were there any stats that you just thought, oh, wow, that's a massive one? Anyone? There were were quite a few, and some of those stats um, can kind of just hit you and then go over your head. One of the headlines said that a child in care had lived in 57 places. And another one was that children approved for adoption, so those who know that they're waiting for an adoptive home can wait on average 18 months. So that's not this Christmas or the next. That's a long time in a child's life, isn't it, when you know that you're waiting for a forever family and you're waiting and waiting. And these figures, if we're honest, can make us feel helpless, can't they? And and sometimes even paralysed. And um, we don't know what to do. We just almost don't do anything because we feel so, so hopeless in it all. And I love what the church leader said um, in the film, that that guy Christoph in Northern Ireland. He said, caring for vulnerable kids matters to us because it matters to God. And we want to learn how to care just like God does. And that's the key for us, isn't it? We want to be more like God. We want to care for the things that God cares about. And that's what we have to fix our eyes on, church, isn't it? Not to be pulled down by the overwhelming, depressing statistics that we get hit with all the time. And at Home for Good, just like in this church, we believe that the statistics, if we all play our part and and if we take up the cause like we've been talking about, we can tackle this. We can tackle this and we can see real change for vulnerable kids in this nation. And I know that this church is on board with this. This church is an encouragement to me and to others in the West Midlands. And do you know that I tell your story? I tell your story around the West Midlands and to my colleagues um, around the country at Home for Goods because you are shining brightly in what you're doing and I know in the midst of the suffering and the pain sometimes you can forget that. But this church is shining brightly in terms of what you're doing and the way that you're caring for vulnerable children. So well done. And so the church is on board with that, and that is why you've got so many people, like we've heard this morning, there are not many churches who could put that many people up the front and talk about their journeys in fostering and adoption. 
So that's why so many of you are on board with this. That's why last year we held a children's and youth leader training session for people all over the West Midlands to teach them how to better care for vulnerable children in their church communities. And that's why Ben, your church leader, took the initiative to get in contact with Home for Good and ask, sit with me over coffee and ask, what more can I do to support the families and children in my church family who are, who are vulnerable? Let me tell you, that does not happen very often to me. It is amazing to have a church leader who is so on board with this. So your church is shining brightly. As the old African saying, proverb goes, it takes a village to raise a child. We've all heard that one, haven't we? And that's why that, that whole kind of concept is why Christians should be best placed to foster and adopt. Because let's face it, there aren't actually loads of people in society these days who have that kind of community around them. The church community is precious and special more and more so in these times. And for those caring for vulnerable kids, just like we've been hearing this morning, those who've experienced trauma, neglect and abuse, they particularly need the village to come around them. And we've heard story and story about that already. And here's the reality that I think, if we're honest, and I know this is true for me, you might say that it's true for you too. I think sometimes we like to avoid the truth that putting our hands up and saying that we are bringers of hope as Christians. We, we think that sometimes that means that circumstances are going to change and it's all going to be happily ever after. And of course we know as Christians that one day it will be happily ever after because there is a day where there'll be no more tears and no more death. But on this earth, being bringers of hope often means walking alongside suffering day after day, after day. It doesn't always mean that there's going to be a happily ever after in the short term and sometimes ever in the long term. And that means that loving people and loving vulnerable children and the families who are caring for them is a lifetime commitment and not always a quick fix. And I think we need to be reminded of that as church. What do you reckon? The Bible first mentions fostering and adoption in the story of Moses in the Bible, so really close to the beginning. It's a theme that we see all through the Bible. And it's, it's where a desperate mother has to abandon her, her boy child because she knows that he will be killed otherwise. And we know the story, don't we? So the mum puts uh, Moses in the basket, the Moses basket, and sets him off down the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter sees this vulnerable child, and her heart is moved with compassion. And let's just say a word or two about this woman, because sometimes I think we gloss over this bit. Let's put ourselves in her shoes. Firstly, let's just remember that she was the daughter of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, the one who was telling all of the Hebrew people to kill their baby boys. Like, he was not a nice man. He, was, he might have been a good dad to her, but he was not somebody who was moved with compassion, was he? 
And for her to do that and just completely go against what he was telling his people to do took huge amounts of courage. Wow, I, when you read the story, it is almost unbelievable that her compassion overcame that fear that she might have had of what he might have done. Secondly, she was an unmarried woman and had no experience of caring for children. And yet, she was moved with compassion anyway. She was probably just a young girl and completely not in the right place to do what she was about to do. She acted on instinct and with determination. She was moved by her heart. Her actions came from her heart. And so, as a result, Moses is rescued against all the odds. So many of the baby boys traveled down the Nile. They were ordered to throw these baby boys into the Nile, and so many of them would have died. But Moses, against all the odds, is rescued. And it's Moses, this one who was rescued, who of course goes on to become the one who helps God rescue his native people from slavery. He becomes the rescuer, doesn't he? I'm forgetting all my slides here. There we go. And it's an amazing story, and it's poetic, isn't it? It's, it's part of God's story to, for the rescued to become the rescuer. But let's be honest and real. Life was not straightforward for Moses, was it? It wasn't like he was this golden boy who sailed through life, rescued God's people, and that was all great and fine. The reality for Moses is that he had identity issues. He had trust issues, and he had confidence issues, didn't he? And we read how he says, Oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Please send someone else. Like he didn't want to do it a lot of the time. He was somebody who God used against all the odds. And we see how some of the issues that he had actually led to a murder and a, a cover-up and, and time on the run for him. Like it wasn't a straightforward story, was it? Moses was a child who had experienced abandonment and then adoption. And he experienced so much turmoil in his life, hadn't he? And yet, through God's empowering presence in him, he was used incredibly powerfully to rescue God's people and to go on to play a very important part in the story of God unfolding on this earth. But I bet when Pharaoh's daughter took the chance and rescued an abandoned Hebrew baby boy from the river, despite his ethnicity, despite the trouble it could cause her, she actually had no idea that he would go on to rescue an entire nation. And of course, the good news for us of being in Christ Jesus is that we have all experienced rescue, haven't we? Isn't that great news? We've been drawn out of the waters. 
despite our sin, despite all the ways that we've messed up, despite the turmoil of our lives again and again and again, we have the, the chance of rescue again and again. We've been rescued and redeemed, and we get that gift again and again, just like Moses. But not only, not only have we been rescued, we've been given the gift of adoption, haven't we? So it's not like a, we've just had the slate wiped clean and we've been rescued. We've actually been raised to the same level of sonship as Jesus Christ. That's what adoption to sonship means. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Galatians 4 says, but when the set time had fully come, um, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. We've all received that gift, haven't we, as, as Christians, if we call ourselves a Christian. If you don't, that gift is on offer to you too. Can we use the gifts of rescue and sonship that we have received to offer those two people who need them, whether that's vulnerable children or people that we meet in our communities. And this is where the rubber hits the road for us as Christians, isn't it? Because we're asked by God not only to feel concerned, not only to hear the stories that we've heard this morning and be moved um, to tears, if you're anything like me. Um, some of those stories are just so real and raw. We're not only asked to feel concerned, but we're asked to take action. That's a consistent story um, of God, isn't it? <clears throat> Isaiah 58 tells us that he doesn't just want us to do the things that make us feel and look spiritual, but he wants to use our voice and our influence and our resources to stand up for those who are poor, vulnerable, and oppressed. Please do go and collect your children if you need to at this point. And I will carry on for those who don't need to. So will we be people who are open to hearing what God is asking us to do so that we can be an answer to someone's prayers through the action that we take? A few stats for you. We've had a few stats already, but I'm just going to give you a few more just to give you the kind of breadth of this issue just in the West Midlands at the moment. In 2018, only over 13,000 children entered the care system. It's incomprehensible, that number, isn't it? Just in one year. In the next 12 months... Oh, I'm getting over-enthusiastic with the clicker. In the next 12 months, 820 new foster families are needed in the West Midlands alone. And another stat that I alluded to earlier, 612 days is the average number of days that a child in care waiting for adoption will wait for a permanent family. 
it's a long time, isn't it? When um, Home for Good first started, the people who started Home for Good um, did some basic maths and they worked out that there are so many churches um, in the UK that if every church just took on one child, then it would completely wipe out the numbers of children waiting in care. And the numbers are similar today. They've gone up, obviously, since then. You guys obviously have got quite a few in your church family, but there are so many more children who need permanent families. And so we have to keep going, don't we? We have to keep opening our hearts and our homes to those in care. These kids, let's just remember that each one of these statistics are a child. They are a little person who are scared and alone and who are desperate for stability, even though, like we've heard, they push against it and make it hard often. I wonder, I know there's lots of you already, but I wonder if God might be speaking to anyone today about joining the ranks of those people and becoming somebody who opens their heart and their home to a vulnerable child. And it might be that it's something that you've been feeling for a while and you might feel like maybe today could be the day to take the first step. So maybe that's you. If it is, do come and chat to one of us afterwards. Or maybe, like we've had loads already, you're a foster carer or an adopter who needs your crew. Like Anne was saying, you guys are the life crew. You know, you're the, the crew on the boat who help out with those families who are doing this, to wrap around them, to care for them in the way that it sounds like you're amazing at doing <clears throat> already. Sometimes the things that we can do are just so simple and so easy. It's, it's the cup of tea. It's the offer of a coffee. It's sometimes playing with the children who um, families have been caring for all week at the end of a church service, just so that these families can have a conversation or maybe some prayer. Some of the ways that we can be the crew are just easy to do. But it's just having the ears and the eyes, isn't it, to these families and these small acts add up together to make families feel cared for and supported and enable them to keep going in what they're doing. Another thing, another thing that we're coveting at Home for Good is prayer. Because we believe that prayer makes a difference, don't we? And as Mary was saying earlier, there have been five new um, people who are in charge of foster families at the moment in Sully Hall. There is a need for prayer in this community. Could you be somebody who organises prayer um, for this particular issue, or could you add it to your daily prayers? We've seen incredible answers to prayer at Home for Good, and we believe it is foundational to this work completely. Perhaps you're somebody who is working full-time and doesn't have loads of extra time, but has some money that you could um, offer to this cause. And if you're somebody who feels like you could give financially to the work of Home for Good and to the work that's going on in this community, in that area, again, we would love to speak to you because every um, pound that gets offered is a pound that can go in the direction of caring for vulnerable children around the region and around the country. 
And on behalf of Home for Good, just as I close, I just want to say a massive thank you to you for all that you're doing already to care for vulnerable children. As I say, um, we take great encouragement from your work and from the amazing church family that you are. And let me encourage you to press on and to not get weary in doing good. You are doing a good thing. Let's press on, church. Um, there are a few things that I'd love to just communicate to you before I finish. One is that we've got an information event coming up um, in the next few weeks at Money Hull Church, so not far from here, on the 19th of November. And that's just going to be a couple of hours where you can come and find out more about fostering and adoption um, in the West Midlands. Basically, you can come and chat to foster care agencies, adoption agencies, and other people who have done um, this already. So if you'd like to find out more for yourself or just to support those people who already are doing it, we would really welcome you to that. Um, the other thing I'd love you to do if you're interested in tracking with Home for Good in the work that we're doing is there's a stand at the back. Um, you can pick up something called a Count Me In card and fill it in um, today. And it means that we can keep you up to date with all that we're doing. We'd love to stay in contact with you and resource you as a church. And lastly, just a massive thank you and well done to the Home for Good champions, Mary and Alan, and the Home for Good team, Anna, etc., who are so busy doing so much good in this church. Thank you on behalf of Home for Good. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Right, we're just going to end with some prayer, and Bruce was challenging us. When uh, you read the article in the newspaper this 